Welcome to Reframe and Reset Your Career, a career development podcast to help if you're looking for a job, feeling stuck in your career, looking to change your perspective, or just rediscover your why. I'm your host, Harsha Borolesa, and this podcast came about from my passion for neuroscience and psychology and their interaction with career and personal development. In each episode, I will be interviewing recognized experts and successful professionals and asking them about their career journey, their real life experiences, and to share the insights and strategies that have helped their careers thrive. Implementing change is not easy and does take time, but I do hope that their stories will inspire you to take a fresh look at your career and assist you on your path to a more successful and fulfilling career. Here are some highlights of today's episode. Um, Challenge yourself and not being scared to try things, to, to think outside the box. It's growing more and more in the game. The use of psychologists is growing. And I think it's such an important factor that, that can be used um, even more than it is now. Definitely. And I think you need nervousness and sort of uh, fire in, in your belly and that adrenaline because you need that to perform. And I think if you lost that, then you'd almost be worried. Hi, this is Harsha. And I wanted to mention a few exciting developments. Firstly, a huge thanks to everyone who has listened to the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast since its launch. I am so pleased and grateful that we have now passed over 1,000 downloads. Thanks also to the amazing guests who have so generously given up their time for the podcast. Some listeners may not know, but there is also Reframe and Reset Your Career YouTube channel, which shows video highlights of the podcast interviews. The first upload was in March, and we have now passed well over a thousand views. Thanks so much for this too. It should be easy to find, but I will leave the link below in the show notes. I am aware that some listeners are trying to find new jobs or just concerned with the job market. So I've put together a short job search guide, which looks at some potential strategies, which may help. The link is in the show notes, and I hope you find it useful. Finally, it would be great to hear feedback from you, the listeners. Please do get in touch via the social media links or email me at the email address below. Thanks again for your support and on with the show. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Robbie White. Hi, Robbie. Hi, Harsha. Great to be with you. Really looking forward to it. Th- thanks so much for taking the time. Robbie is a professional cricketer with one of England's top cricket clubs, Middlesex. Robbie has been on Middlesex's radar from the age of 10 and spent three years in their academy before gaining a full-time contract with the club. Prior to gaining his contract, Robbie attended Loughborough University, where he studied psychology and played cricket. Robbie is a batsman and wicketkeeper, and he scored heavily in the second team, which helped him into the first team in 2018 and 19 and 20. He also spent a spell on loan at Essex Cricket Club in 2019, giving him yet more valuable experience at a first team level, where he played with Sir Alistair Cook, one of England's top batsmen. Over the winter, Robbie has started working for David James Wealth as a client relationship manager, as well as training for the cricket season. Welcome, Robbie. Thanks, Harsha. Very kind words there. Thank you. No, no problem, mate. Um, Robbie, is there a quote that you would like to share with us today? I do, actually, from um, Michael Jordan, a legendary uh, basketball player. Um, so his quote is, I failed over and over again, and that is why I succeed. Brilliant. That, that's really good. Robbie, if we go back to the beginning, what, about, what brought about your interest in cricket? Well, my family, I suppose, um, would be the most important thing that got me into cricket. We were a sporting mad uh, household. My brother, who's four and a half years older than me, um, really got me into all sports. And we used to have some fierce battles in the garden, um, whether it was football, cricket, rugby. We we played everything. Um, so I think a lot of um, my early development was down to him and, and my dad sort of taking me around to, to various grounds and places and yeah, so my, my family background really helped my sport uh, massively. And then probably from the age of 10, 11, cricket became my, my number one, my number one sport. And I, I love playing it. And um, yeah, a lot, a lot of backyard cricket with my, my brother in the early days. From, from then on in, cricket's been my number one, really. It's really interesting because I think with a lot of people, they start off their, da- their dad or their brother. They like the game and that sort of interest transfers to them. And I suppose having an elder brother... It's somebody to aspire to in terms of talent, et cetera, et cetera. 
Absolutely. And I think trying to compete with him, it probably helped that he was a bit older than me and always obviously bigger and stronger. So I was always fighting for territory. Um, I remember him, he seemed to always bat for about two hours and I went in and got out quite quickly and then had to bowl at him again. Um, so it probably helped my, my early resilience and trying to get through some tough times. So I, I was really fortunate that I had him and he's you know, we obviously had some uh, some battles when we were younger um, over the over the cricket cricket in the garden. But he's been really supportive of me all throughout my sort of childhood, and and, and even now he's a big fan. So he he's been a massive part, along with my mum and dad, um, who have helped me sort of from an early age and and continued up till now. Really brilliant. And and I think you played at Ealing, is that right, Robbie? Yeah, I've, I've been at Ealing since I was probably about six years old. I think so, almost as early as I can remember. Um, with my cricket and I was so lucky to get involved I mean it's only just around the corner but it's such a, a fantastic club and a very well respected club around the country and I think it's it's success on the field has been um, well recognized um, so I, it was such a good setup to get into from a young age and that really benefited me in, in my early years as having a lot of good players around me the the youth setup there was was fantastic so that was that was another something I was really fortunate to to be involved with from a young age, and I still play for them now. So that's a really nice thing that I've been able to um, continue that throughout my my cricket development. And and I think it's really interesting having those uh, people who are pushing you from a young age. Um, I think having that competition, you aspire to uh, improve. And I think it's also about just getting a lot of um, time uh, at at the crease. Uh, it's sort of ours, isn't it? That all that practice helps to create a, a great player. Yeah, absolutely. I remember a lot of hours spent um, down at the nets at Ealing. You know, on a Saturday, we'd um, the first team would be playing, and I'd go with a couple of my mates, and we'd be in the nets for hours and wander over and have a have a break for ten minutes, and then we'd be back over there, just bowling and batting to each other. So I think those sort of things actually make a big difference in the grand scheme of things, and you know, they sort of build your your love for the game so yeah have it, having sort of friends and um, a sort of family there I suppose that that were with me while I was sort of learning my game and um, I think yeah those times in the nets just with your mates are sort of invaluable um, in your development um, so yeah that that was a fantastic part of my my growth in, in cricket really. And I think just thinking about whatever you're doing whether it's sport or working in finance if you have a love for something that makes such a difference um don't you think so you have a real motivation for it absolutely i think i think you need that especially with the amount of time you're, you're going to have to put in and the sacrifices you you'll inevitably make i think you have to have a real passion and drive for it otherwise you're going to come you're going to fall down at, at some stage um so i was lucky that you know all sports i was i absolutely loved doing and you know i i did a, a numerous amount of sport and different sports um, while I was a, a child. But having that real passion and drive for cricket, I suppose, made it my number one and, and probably what pushed me um, more than more than anything else. Yeah, just talking about Middlesex um, and obviously the start of your sort of professional journey, how did that connection come about? Um, I mean, that again, that was from a really young age. I was lucky um, through Ealing, sort of getting put up for trials and um, sort of borough regions um, when I was sort of, I think about eight or nine. Um, and I remember sort of the first age group at under 10, when you get that hat and you, you feel, feel like you're playing a test, a test match at Lord when you're walking out at a, a school ground to play for the under 10s. So, I, yeah, I was lucky that I got in early and sort of played all the age groups um, really and, and sort of, yeah, managed to, to stay, stay with Middlesex. And that's probably what's really nice now is, um, you know, I've had that history with the club and I feel... You know, I was a fan when I was young. I used to always go and watch them. So yeah, it's been it's been a sort of a story from the beginning with Middlesex. I, I've I've loved all of it, and I've been um, yeah glad to sort of be on that journey um, from the very beginning. It's funny. I, I played in the Middlesex Colts as well uh, back with Mark Ramprakash. I, I remember going up to my trials at Finchley, and and you're right. It's amazing. You yeah. get the jumper, you get the cap, um, and you just feel a million dollars when that happens. Yeah, it's so exciting, isn't it? And I think, yeah, that enthusiasm, I suppose all, all young people have it. But I remember also when I think we were about, I was 15 and I started on the academy and we had an induction in at Lords with the, the director of cricket. And I think Andrew Strauss was there to, oh, wow. to present us with our sort of our academy caps. And that, you know, those sort of things seem trivial when you look back at it. But at the time, it's such a sort of special moment and significant moment. And um, yeah, those sort of those sort of things really resonate in your memory. And, and 
at the time they really sort of spur you on and think oh blimey this is this is something I really want to do and I'm you know I want to have my seat in a changing room and I want to you know come here and play play all the time so um yeah when you're growing up and uh, Middlesex and Lords are a pretty prestigious county so I, I, it was always something that I dreamt of. Fantastic so if we move on from uh sort of Middlesex you went to um read psychology at Loughborough um what what made you want to uh, read psychology uh, Robbie? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, I was sort of pushed into doing um, science-y uh, A-levels, um, and that that gave me quite a few options. Um, and I remember thinking quite hard over what, what I wanted to do, and there was sort of chemistry and economics and maths. Um, and I, I probably thought, you know, I'd done these things for a while, and um, again, they weren't really sort of passions of mine. I sort of did them and was decent at them, but um, I wanted to do something that I was sort of really interested in. And I'd, I'd read a few books and obviously with a sporting background, I was always sort of aware and conscious of, of what psychology was about and how important it was. I hadn't had much experience of actually studying it, but I thought it's something I'm really interested in. I'm really interested in people and how how they interact and behaviour. And, and so it just felt like I, it was something that would be a real interest to me and, and I could see sort of getting a lot out of it. So yeah, it, it wasn't something that came from, um, you know, a moment of euphoria or, or studying it at A-level or anything. I just, I thought it would be something that would really interest me. And, and I was lucky that it, it did. And I really enjoyed, enjoyed it at Loughborough. I saw your A-levels. They're pretty good, Robbie. Um, you could have you know, done, it, done anything. <laughs> That's very kind. Well, could have been an accountant. Lucky, I, I liked maths. And, <laughs> yeah, I could have been, I could have been. Um, yeah, I thought I'd, I'd want to do something different at university. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I went for psychology and it, it sort of it paid off, really. But but in terms of psychology, um, presumably you would have come across the work of uh, Carol Dweck in terms of mindset, which actually that's the first thing that really got me into my sort of personal development journey. Um, have you, You've come across Carol, Carol Dweck, is that right? Yeah, 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 I actually did that at university. Um, and again, that's something that, you know, really resonates from a sports from a sports side of, uh, of things, and you know, having that that sort of um, yeah innate to to want to learn um, and that growth mindset that she talks about is something that um, you know is so important, and you can see um, the benefit and the, the people who have that mindset, and um, you know, really their development is is on another level. So that's something I've tried to um, tried to have myself, and th- those sort of things. I think it's, although they're growing, it's still sort of under underused in in sport, um, and it's something that we're trying to do more and more of, um, and is growing. So, um, yeah, I mean, you you can't underestimate the importance of those sort of um, sort of psychological fat and behaviour factors that that can have on on sportsmen. And, and I suppose it's that whole idea of just having a go. Um, you know, you can be here at at one level, you know, now but you can get to that sort of next level by trying different things. And sometimes it's that whole thing of if you're doing the same thing and you're not succeeding, um, you're, you're just going to get the same result. So why not mix it up? Exactly. And challenging yourself. I think that's such a, a key part of, of, I suppose, what you do in, in, in all sorts of walks of life. Um, challenge yourself and not being scared to try things, to, to think outside the box, to... Um, you know, put yourself in in sort of difficult um, circumstances, scenarios. That's how you really learn and develop and grow. And I think that's um, yeah, it's so important for for people, whether it's in sport or um, in other walks of life. I think yeah, that's such a, an important mindset to get into. And and for our listeners, I think Robbie, this is your first podcast today. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. So so you so you have novice. You'll, you'll probably be able to tell. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're great. Um, so you've actually, it's great that you've put yourself in this situation because I think um, sometimes if you don't force yourself to do it, you never know, um, you know how good or bad you can be. Um, and I think, you know, you've done very well so far. So, you know, uh, kudos to you, Robbie. <laughs> but, but That's what very I, kind, Harsh. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> but but what, I, what I really like about your career um and it's that the whole you you have some people who say you know they they started and everything went swimmingly well but i think you you said that um you went on loan to essex a few years ago um and essex is one of the other counties in in the uk for our uh, north american uh, listeners so you went you went to uh, be the wicket keeper there can you tell us a little bit about you know what how did that come about and what do you learn from that loan spell 
Yeah, I think just from your first part there, I think, you know, you come into a, a professional sport, I suppose, and you you want it to just go swimmingly and everything to go perfectly from the off. But more often than not, it doesn't work like that. And things, you know, don't go perfectly. And there's always going to be ups and downs. Um, and, you know, Middlesex, especially when I was, you know, four or five years ago, they won the championship. They're a very strong side um, with a big staff. So it was it was challenging and it was... Although it was a great place to be to learn, it was difficult to try and to state your claim. Um, so yeah, well, I left university and I was sort of, you know, full time trying to push my my claim. And it was I, I played a bit the previous year on and off. Um, so again, just sort of fighting for a, for a chance really, and some you know sort of sustained period in the side. And the, the start of the 2019 season, I think it was, I, I wasn't starting for Middlesex and. Yeah, the, the Essex wicketkeeper um, broke his thumb in the first game of the season. And Essex is a county I've played against a lot over the years in the, in the second eleven and in age group side. So I think I, I knew quite a few of their players and their um, coaching staff. And yeah, they got in touch with Middlesex and, and with myself and said, would I want to go for a couple of months? Okay. Um, but they were obviously a great side with a lot of experienced players. So I absolutely jumped at that opportunity. And yeah, it was it was a fantastic experience to go to such a great club with sort of some some greats of the game, really, and experience a new environment, which, yeah, I learned a huge amount from. So you were there for a couple of months. And I think you said you played with Al- Alistair Cook, um, who was obviously one of the England's greatest opening batsmen. Yeah, I mean, that's quite a surreal experience. I remember when it sort of finally... Um, was confirmed that I was going and that was sort of my first thought that I'm going to be wicketkeeper and he's going to be at first slip so yeah you couldn't really pick a better person to have next to you and I mean I remember when he my first game was at the Oval and uh, I was there really early in the changing room and everyone arrived on a team bus I think he he drove separately because he he doesn't live near the ground um, so he was there and it was just he walked in it was just me and him so that was a great way for to him to introduce himself to me and he was he was fantastic to me and I know a lot of people speak about how nice a guy is and that's yeah that's really the case and he was um, brilliant to me um, so I, again just so lucky to sort of tap into those those guys and try and learn off them because there's so many experiences that they have to share and you as a young player you, you want to learn as much as you can so that's something that I've always tried to do and it's so important when you're in a sort of a changing room um, and you've got those sort of shoulders to try and, uh, and, the, and the heads to try and learn from. So, so now you're best mates with Alistair Cook. I'm not sure I can claim that. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was lucky, the, luckier than most that I could share a changing room and a, and a slip cordon with him. <laughs> so he, he might return your phone calls. <laughs> well, I'd hope so. I mean. <laughs> Very good. And, and you had an interesting story about... Peter Siddle, who you shared a flat with at Essex. Yeah, so here's another one who, you know, I'd watched so many times on, on TV. Um, he's sort of an Ashes legend um, for Australia. Um, and yeah, when we were talking about the sort of the details of the loan, they were talking about putting me up in a hotel or um, an apartment. Mm. And uh, then they, they called through and said, oh, we've just spoken to Peter Siddle, our overseas player, and he's He's in the, the club flat and there's a spare room. And he said he, he wouldn't mind having you in there. So I thought, blimey, that's going to be a bit daunting in, in with this, uh, in the tough Australian. He, he's pretty feisty yeah. when you see him on, on TV. So, and yeah, so I moved in, I think it was just after a, um, the championship game. And I moved in, my stuff was a bit of a mess in the room. And, and the next morning I went off and played golf. And uh, I got back and my room was sort of quite a lot tidier than it was and a bit empty and it was a bit odd. And he... He came in um, and he said, oh, I hope you don't mind, Robbie. I came into your room and I took all your um, your playing kit and your training kit and I put it in the wash and it's just hanging up to dry. So, <laughs> so I said, yeah, if you could just um, iron it and put it back, that would be great, Peter. <laughs> no, and um, so I just thought, you know, I've, I've literally just met you. You've welcomed me into your flat and you've uh, done my washing. So, yeah, he, he was a, another fantastic guy and someone you've seen on TV so much and you sort of had this perception of him and he yeah. was... He couldn't have been kinder and more welcoming to me. So I was really appreciative of, of that. No, it, it's interesting with cricket, when you meet some of these guys, um, you you have a this public persona, but when you actually meet them, uh, they, they actually turn out to be really good people, which, which is a nice thing. I, I remember meeting David Gower and he was such a pleasant guy. Um, but you never know. Um, it could be that your heroes are not that great, but I, I've been quite fortunate and, and, and so have you, I suppose. Yeah. Exactly. And, you, you know, all these guys are, you know, the same as us. They have emotions and um, ups and downs and, and feelings. So, 
yeah, you sort of put these some of these people as sort of superheroes, really. But you know, when you meet them, they're just they're just ordinary people. And yeah, most of them are, I've been lucky, like you. Um, they've been absolutely lovely and warm and and friendly. So yeah, that that's been a really nice um, side, I suppose, of being in changing rooms with superstar players. Just on a practical level, um, in the sort of the cricketing environment, um, how have you been able to use psychology? Are there any particular things that have helped you um, when playing, Robbie? Yeah, so I mean, I suppose you use it all the time. It's such a, a challenging game mentally, especially as a batsman. And so, yeah, it's it's something that, as I said before, is is growing more and more in the game. The use of psychologists is growing. And I think it's such an important factor that that can be used um, even more than it is now. Um, I, how do I use it? Um, I suppose, you know, dealing with dealing with setbacks, um, sort of routines, um, creating confidence, things like that. You know, I, I try and harness everything, you know, everything that I can from the, the sort of things I've read and, you know, listening to certain um, podcasts and guys speaking. And I think, yeah, the more you can take in, um, because cricket really, so much of it is a, is a mental game. And especially at the top level, other than your sort of your freaks like Root and Butler and Stokes, most guys who are playing professionally are, are good players technically, and there's not a huge amount to differentiate them. So what often is a factor that sets apart the, the best players and the, the players who perform consistently is, is what they're like mentally. I don't think anyone would say that they, you know, that they master it or they don't have negative thoughts or anything, because we all do. Um, but it's just trying to control that and deal with it and stay level as best as you can so that you can try and be more consistent and perform well over a period because that's what sort of you you get judged on really. And, and it's interesting the point you made about uh, at a certain level you, you have these great players, but below that everybody's uh, to some extent fairly similar. Because I remember when yeah, you know, as I was sort of going up the ranks, obviously not in, in, at your level, but you you think God these people aren't as good as I thought they would be you know, because you're making these gradual progressions. And actually, what separates you at that just below the top level is the mental side. Definitely. And it's, you know, we talked about Alistair Cook and people would say that he's not, you know, the most gifted natural player to have ever, you know, graced grace the field. But he's got powers of concentration. He's got, you know, toughness that would probably beyond nearly everyone who's played. And that's why he was so good for such a long period. And you see him in the nets and for, for him, he'll be hitting them horribly and he'll be skewing them and playing and missing and getting out. And he'll just have this persona and sort of calm that, you know, not many other people can can replicate. You know, he, you can just see that having that consistency and being able to sort of ride the performance rather than most of us who have a bad net and get out and get, you know, really flustered and angry and then have a great net and think that we're a million dollars. You know, seeing those, those guys who um, just have that sort of calm um, composure and I think that really reflects them in their performance and having consistency over time. I think that's an interesting point you make, Robbie, about perfection because I think sometimes people are so concerned uh, whether it's in sport or in the working environment, about being perfect. But actually, it's just about getting it done. So like Cook, he may not be playing well, but if he gets runs, um, gets a 50 or 100, then he's achieved what he has to do. And I suppose it's the same at work. If you get the presentation done or you just do it you know, well enough, then that's enough. Don't you think so? Definitely. I think we talk a lot about finding a way. So again, it's, it's you know, you, you want to do things you know, feel your best and be in the best form all the time. But again, that's that's just unrealistic and it's it's not going to happen. So more often than not, you know, you'll go through challenging periods. You won't feel great. The bowler will be bowling really well in a cricket scenario. And you've got to just um, grit it through and find a way to get through and perform. And that's, again, you see the best players who manage to do that and you think, oh, you know, they look really scratchy or they didn't look great today. And suddenly they, they've walked off with 100 and you know, that really marks out the, the top players, I think, who can get through even when they're not at their best. That's great. And in terms of dealing with stress, um, especially batsmen, um, you only have one chance. It's obviously a very stressful scenario you're in. But just waiting to bat, um, it's actually quite a stressful situation because you are, you've obviously psyched yourself up, but you're in the changing rooms and you're just waiting. Um, it's a bit like, um, say, an interview, you're waiting to be interviewed or do a big presentation. How, how do you deal with that, that, that sort of stressful scenario of just waiting? Yeah, there's nothing quite like it, really. Yeah, we, we've had our first preseason game last couple of days and you sort of get that feeling again. Yeah, you, you can't really replicate it. And it's so difficult because, 
you know, you don't know whether you're going to be needed in two minutes or in three hours. So people deal with it differently. And I think it is it is individual. Um, some people very relaxed. They don't watch. They almost sort of sit down, lie down and try and sort of stay completely calm and, and out of the game. Some people are watching every ball and, you know, jumping up and down, um, dancing around the whole time and sort of can't sit still. So there are different ways of dealing with it. I think from my point of view, I just try and stay calm and be, and be normal as if I was watching and, and that's hard to say because your heart's racing and yeah. you're sort of eager. But I think the fact that you could be waiting there for three or four hours, you can't just be, you know, on edge, focusing on every ball intently because otherwise you're just going to burn yourself out. So I think, you know, whether it's having someone there to just talk to and having a sort of distraction, some people rehearse and, you know, keep physically active. So there are definitely different ways of doing it. But I think, yeah, having something that sort of maybe keep keeps your attention off what's what's about to come and keeping your mind at, at rest may then mean when you go out or you go into an interview then you're 100% focused and you you sort of got that mental energy to to give to that rather than sort of feeling like you've uh, you've done it for the last three hours and you want to go to sleep yeah because it, it's interesting because if you're using all that mental energy beforehand you, you're depleted when you actually go to perform so say you know you're, you're about to do a big interview um you know beforehand if you're you're stressing out the whole time then actually when you do interview, it's not as good. The way I would look at it is you're trying to use that sort of stress in a positive way rather than a negative way. Is that is that right, Robbie? Definitely. And I think you need nervousness and sort of uh, fire in, in your belly and that adrenaline because you need that to perform. And I think if you lost that, then you'd almost be worried. So yeah, it's something, and it's sort of something you crave really as a, as a sportsman is that feeling of you know nervousness and you're about to get into the battle. But you have, as you say, Harsha, you have to find a way to um, control that and to sort of relax so that you can then give your maximum effort when it does come to your time, whether that's, a, you know, an interview, a big pitch or, or whether it's, you know, going out to bat. Excellent. If we look at the um, the team environment, because I think that's quite interesting for our listeners, because a lot of them are working in corporates um, where you have big teams. Now, obviously, cricket is a team game. But essentially, if you don't perform on an individual basis, you'll get dropped. So um, can you just tell me a little bit about how you deal, in, deal with that team environment? How do you find it? Yeah, I think you're spot on there, Harsha. It's, it's quite a unique sport in that yeah, you're with a team of, you know, 10 teammates who are all going out there playing to win, but you're judged very individually and your statistics are there for everyone to see, which is unlike football or rugby where you might, you know, you have goals and assists. But generally, if you play right back, you might have a reasonable game or an OK game. It's difficult to put a statistical number on your performance, whereas, you know, as a cricketer, as a batsman or bowler, your stats are there and you can't hide behind any of that. And I suppose that does, when things go wrong, you get guys who look inwardly and, yeah, people who are looking for themselves rather than the value of the team. So I think the way that you want a successful team in cricket is to have that sort of overarching team goal and then guys contributing individually towards that goal. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if guys are performing really well, you're going to have good outcomes as a team. But you have to have that yeah, all-encompassing goals that everyone's striving for and everyone's pulling in, in the same direction. Otherwise... Yeah, you're going to have a bunch of individuals who are looking after their own interests, which is not not what you want. Yeah, and, and I suppose it's that whole idea of how do you motivate people uh, working towards that same goal, but but also in terms of uh, individuals, you don't always get on with people, um, but you have to figure out a way of thinking about the team goal. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly, and yeah, team dynamics don't always um, marry together perfectly. So sometimes it's you've got to work at it. We've had. You know, different coaches, different captains. Um, so there's been quite a, a lot of change recently in our dressing room. Um, so again, these things are fluid and finding that sort of feeling of, of all togetherness um, is not easy to, to get. As you say, when you, when you have got that feeling that everyone's pulling in the same direction and, you know, sportsmen really want to win. So we all want the same thing and it's just finding the best way for us to, uh, to pull together to, to get that win. Um, and that's what's really special is, you know, you've had a long, hard four days um, in the championship game. You as 11 blokes at the end of that can celebrate a win and that's probably the one of the best feelings you can have as a cricketer. By the, by the way, I was watching some of your batting on YouTube yesterday. Well done. <laughs> A bit, bit dull, harshly, I'd say. <laughs> well, Robbie, I, I was a dull cricketer as well. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but, but it's a dull so, sport, really. <laughs> but, but in terms of confidence, I think that I find just fascinating because uh, in cricket, if you can succeed, say, three or four times in 10, that's a really good uh, average. So that means that sort of 
60 to 70 percent of the time you're failing so how do you manage to be, you know, get confidence or be confident when things are not going well in cricket yeah it's, it's hard that's a great question um without easy or obvious answer you know I think as a, as a cricketer as a batsman you have to really become comfortable with failure because if you don't it's going to do your head in really because as you say you, you fail quite significantly more than you succeed so it's it's a part of batting that you've got to be comfortable with and I think as yeah as you get older and um, I, you know when you, when you get naught when you're sort of 10 or 11 it feels like you're not going to wake up in the morning and totally. you know your career's over so um yeah I think as you get older you, you learn that that's all part of it in terms of creating confidence that's again a, a such a difficult one and something that's so important I think past performances is an obvious one that you can look back on um, and see where you were at your best and what mindset you had and how you're feeling what preparation you did um so that's something that can really help you when you're having a, a bad path yeah trying to trying to recreate what what went well when you had it when you had a good period it's hard as an individual to try and get yourself out of that so it might be close teammate who's seen you over the last 10 years or it might be your family who can snap you out of that so I think there's there's different scenarios and you know it's again it's a difficult one and as a sportsman yeah creating that sort of confident self-belief is so important and difficult you're having poor periods yeah and and I think just remembering when you did well and I I suppose even in the working environment just thinking uh if that interview went well or that presentation went well what was I feeling And, and almost visualizing that feeling to try and recreate that sense of you know, whatever it was was were you happy were you com- confident what was the mood um maybe recreate what you did that day were you wearing a, a particular suit or a tie or you, you never know what what triggers that in your brain yeah definitely definitely i think cricket's a big one for superstitions um <laughs> with a lot of people having certain quirky and weird things that they sort of have to do every day or every time they pad up I think some of them are, are really good and sort of help create a bit of a routine. Maybe some of them will get a bit obsessive. I remember Nasser saying as, as he had a uh, chicken tikka masala, I think, before he got a double hundred. And then every before every innings, he had to have a chicken tikka masala. So I think that, that may be a bit over the top, but people will sort of build that into their, their preparation and that can be really, really beneficial for them. Can you reveal any of your superstitions, Robbie? Any low-key ones? <laughs> well, I actually don't. I don't have any that are sort of really exciting. I mean, um, I sort of pad up the same way every time um, and go through that process the same way. But yeah, sadly, I don't have any sort of mad pink socks or yeah, anything, anything wacky. So yeah, for me, it's just sort of creating that, that familiarity when I, when I'm about to, to go out to bat. And I have a similar thing when I'm actually batting in terms of between balls and resetting um, when the bowl is coming in. So just something yeah it's more of a sort of pre-delivery routine and that's something that I think can can help I I think that that's a good thing in a way not to have too many ridiculous superstitions obviously you have to put your gear on and put your helmet on but I think going beyond that it it becomes quite tiring in a way yeah it is and it it can be a sort of dangerous slope to go down and you end up yeah with all these sort of things you're having to try, try and recreate so it can get a bit obsessive, but you know, different different people work differently. So yeah, it might it might work for some, but I think for me that that might get a bit too much if you're you're having to having to yeah get get an Indian every time. That that might be, get a bit bit tough. Well, especially if you don't like India. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but that that whole idea of um, you know failure, I think that's so interesting because you know even in the working world you see people who are you know really good at their jobs and you think like why are you in this position you've got so much talent and sometimes it's maybe they've gone for the promotion they've gone for the interview and it hasn't worked out and you know how it is i think if you really strive for something and it doesn't work out you feel terrible but but in a way in order to succeed you have to keep going through that process but some people will say okay fine I, I, I've, I've gone for the interview, I've gone for the promotion, it hasn't worked out, I feel bad, therefore I'm not going to push myself. Um, and I think it's really interesting with, with cricket, you just have to, you fail so much, it can really give you that mindset that you're willing to try and uh, try different things, uh, don't you think so? Absolutely, you've, you've got to put yourself out there and you've got to be willing to, um, yeah, to sometimes look silly and, and to fail for sure. And yeah, I think that that runs across various professions, various walks of life. I think, yeah, you've got to be prepared to, to be uncomfortable and to, to have real failures and, and to look silly sometimes in order to, to push yourself and to, to progress. 
Brilliant. In terms of, say, strategy, in terms of your sporting career, um, I, I'm a big um, basketball fan. I love the LA Lakers. And you would have come across LeBron James, you know, the famous basketball yeah. player. I, I'm very happy because obviously he's gone to the Lakers and the Lakers are doing really well. But it's just interesting to see how he's managed his career. He started off at um, Cleveland, went to Miami, went back to Cleveland, and now he's at the Lakers. And he always seems to be figuring out uh, a different parts of his career, how to maximize his career and, and do, do well. Is there anything in terms of your career, in terms of strategy? Uh, what, are you thinking about how it's going to develop in terms of cricket or work? Or have you ever thought about that, that sort of scenario, Robbie? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that probably comes from my goals and looking down the line at what I want to be achieving at, um, at what point. And they sort of help navigate my sort of strategy and my plan through um, the next few years. Um, it's difficult because you don't always have the options. You don't know what's what's coming around the corner. I had the opportunity at the end of last year where I was speaking to a few other counties and that was um, an option for me um, to pursue something elsewhere. Um, and for me as a wicketkeeper, it's quite unique because for, to be a wicketkeeper, you're competing for one spot, same as a goalkeeper in, in football. And it's challenging. And, and as, as you say, is it, is it better off to be somewhere else where you could potentially be, be number one? For me, I want to compete as a batsman as well. And I think that's what I sort of decided that that was going to be my, my target to, to try and make it as a batsman. But, you know, it's difficult and it's hard to know what is the best, what's the best thing to do. I think, yeah, having that sort of, thought of where you want to be in a few three five years time can help give some context to to your your plan but again it, it, yeah it, it's a tough one because you don't know you don't know what's going to be best you might move it might supercharge your career and it, it might be fantastic it might you might move and it might be really difficult and you don't enjoy that that new environment and might make you go backwards so it's, it's difficult to to know I think yeah you've got to try and weigh these things up in your head and, and make a call on what you think's um, going to be best so you can meet your meet your goals. But, but I suppose the interesting thing that I picked up from there is there's obviously no certainty um, and you've got to be flexible. Um, and, you know, it's almost like you have that long term strategy, but also those short term goals and thinking about, am I achieving those goals or not? If I'm not, I may, I may need to pivot somewhere else. Definitely. And yeah, things definitely aren't certain and things change very quickly. So you have to be ready to adapt and to, you know, to take opportunity where they come up, similar to what, what happened with Essex, where I just thought I was going to be in the second team for a few months. And then that opportunity came up, which was fantastic for me. So you've got to be ready to embrace things um, when they come along. And it's not going to be a, um, a plain sailing ride um, as, you, as you'd hope it would be. So yeah, you, you've got to just make the most of things when they come along and be ready to change and pivot, as you say, to, to what comes up. I'm getting worried. You're agreeing with everything I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you've you've spoken to many people. I think you've uh, yeah you you make some great points. So I, I can't disagree with you yet. But there's still time. There's still time. <laughs> you always seem to be such a nice person, Robbie. But there's that you know devil underneath. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, yet to see it. Partially. We'll, we'll see if that comes out. Sort of moving on to finance. And I, I really like the fact that you're um, working for this wealth manager. I, I think it's David James. Is, is, is that right, Robbie? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So do, do you just want to um, give us a little bit about the story of you know, what made you want to um, move into wealth management um, and how, how that came about? Yeah, again, it's, um, it's an interesting subject. I think I've always had an interest in, in pursuing things outside of cricket. You know, it's such a short career, really, probably averaging retire 35, 36. And you've got such a long time of your working life left. Um, and I, I probably thought it's unlikely that I'd go into sort of coaching or umpiring in, in cricket. So um, I wanted to explore other avenues. I did some work experience last, sorry, yeah, last winter um, with Savills, a real estate company, which was, again, a really good experience just to, just to go into a business and see how they work. Because as a sportsman, you devote your whole sort of late, late childhood and early adulthood, you know, trying to pursue that sport. So you, you don't get much experience and exposure to work experience, workplace. I'd never really done anything. Um, so that was a great start. And I sort of started trying to meet people um, in various industries to talk about what they do and whether there'd be any opportunity for me to sort of go in and learn. Um, and I met one of the directors from David James, James Rice, who's, who's an ex-professional golfer. Uh, yeah, we, we had a really great chat and it, he sort of explained what they do and how they work and the fact that they're trying to grow in sport 
um, and help sportsmen maximise sort of their their finances whilst they're playing. Because as I said, it's such a short career. And that sort of education side really appealed to me um, and helping my sort of teammates and hopefully other other athletes look after their, their finances whilst they're playing. So we sort of hit it off straight away, really. And then when it came around to this winter, especially with, with what's going on with the pandemic, I had lots of time on my hands. Um, you know, it just worked really well timing wise that they were keen to get me on board and to learn more about the business whilst also training to be a, a financial planner. So I've been in probably about six months now, which is I've learned a huge amount. Yeah, it's just been really eye opening for me. And so hopefully I'll continue that relationship with them whilst learning and getting the qualification. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been absolutely fantastic. I've been really lucky to have this experience. And it's something that you know I really enjoy doing and getting away from cricket and having that sort of other perspective I think really helps me both in my in my cricket and obviously for my experience elsewhere well I think they should be lucky to have you Robbie that's that's the way I would put it <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send this to David James <laughs> but 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 I, I really like I really like the whole idea of you doing something different because I, I really you know, sometimes I really feel for sportsmen that you have this really crazy life that um, yeah, every every boy's dream is to play sport, play professional sport. Sometimes yeah, you, you might achieve it, but you either don't earn much money or things might go wrong. And I think you need to be really careful that you're stuck in a situation where you get to 30 and you have you know, no qualifications or no other avenues to pursue. And I think it's really good that you are doing this, the work experience and, and starting with D- David James, because it does give you that security and other options. Because otherwise, you know, cricket is the only, you know, for a lot of people, it's the only show in town. Definitely, definitely. And I see it so much. And as you say, people put so much into their sport careers. And it's, you know, it's obviously a dream for, for all of us, really. And yeah, it's difficult. It doesn't always work out. We said people, people drop out, people get injured, things happen. Um, and even if you have a good career, you retire when you're 35, 36, you've still got so much time and energy to put into something else. So um, yeah, I think I read the stat that the average age someone leaves cricket is 26. So yeah, I think it's so important. And also for your cricket, it's such a all-encompassing sport and it, you know, it can feel like it's your whole life. So doing something outside of that bubble in a way, I think really helps your cricket because you can, you know, you can just do something. It takes your mind off it. It takes the pressure off a little bit, especially if you're in your last year of your contract and you're worried about that. Mm-hmm. If you know that, you know, you've got things ticking over, I think it helps relieve the pressure a bit and you can just sort of relax and, and go out and perform. So I think there are several benefits for it and very little against it. And yeah, it's something that I think is growing and they're trying to get more education about thinking sec- second careers and um, planning for that. And I think it's so important and should really be be pushed more and more. And, and they have more time to um, you know, listen to the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast and, and, th- and watch the YouTube channel as well. <laughs> Absolutely. That's another great thing that um, all athletes should be doing, Harsha listening to um, reframe and reset and well you know we, we we laugh but it's you know listening to these things reading trying to to educate yourself is is so important and again it's getting interested in other things and other areas and I think that really sort of enriches enriches people especially athletes who are so sort of focused on doing what they're very good at so having you know other things that um, they're doing I know yeah lots of people are doing different things now whether it's media or different options I think that's really helpful for athletes to get into something other and away from their sport and it's funny I suppose you know with us um we we knew each other well but I think when you started David James you were sort of reaching out to different people to have conversations and that's how I think we initially had our conversation about finance and investing it's I think it's really interesting in terms of the way you've grown your network you've reached out to people and said look here I am this is my situation can we have a conversation it's it's a lot easier than people think to grow their network yeah definitely and I think it's similar to what I said with with the changing room the changing room analogy with cricket you know you're as a young player and someone who's not experienced and doesn't have a huge amount of knowledge and is trying to learn I think you'd be silly not to try and tap into people who are more experienced than yourself and who have gone through what you're going through so yeah that was something that I know that you've had a huge experience in finance and and, and various roles so um, again it's it's just great to to speak to guys like yourself who have had that experience and can speak to us from from what you've learned and and hopefully that that helps me and who's earlier my 
journey and still obviously learning a huge amount and you just try and pick these things up so um that sort of puts you in a better in a better headspace and gives you more confidence to to be better at what you do well hopefully robbie there'll be some other people with more experience you'll be speaking to not just me <laughs> um, no just just you Hush, <laughs> i'm worried robbie i'm worried <laughs> But, but in terms of um, careers advice for, say, people starting out in their career, obviously this is a tough time. But do you think there are some bits of advice or tips that have helped you that maybe you can pass on to our listeners? Yeah, I think, I mean, we touched on a lot of them, I think, just from what we we're saying there. Um, yeah, don't be afraid to ask and don't be afraid to, to speak to people and try and learn from them. The other thing I'd say is, again, we've touched on it earlier, is put yourself in in uncomfortable, difficult environments. Put yourself out of your comfort zone. I think then you really learn and develop and see what you're capable of. Stretching yourself in early days when you don't have a huge amount of knowledge, a huge amount of experience, I think can sort of speed up that learning um, hugely. Um, So those are a couple of things um, that I've thought of. Just try different things. I think for me, I had such little experience in sort of corporate world and you know, I've, I've tried to get around and speak to people, but, you know, there's still more I can do. And I think just trying as many things as you can, I think then you get a better understanding of what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at. Um, and I think that helps you really focus in on on the things that you can you can aim for. No, I think I think that's really interesting in terms of trying different things, because I suppose before David James, you didn't really have much idea of the practicalities of finance. But at least now you know about wealth management. So I think it's interesting if you can try different things different careers then it's just it's almost helping you to figure out you know your skill set what matches that what are you best suited to doing what what are you good at so i think it's that whole idea of trying different things is is a great thing yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah as as you said you don't know you don't know what what you can do until you try it out so i'd i'd say that's such a a key point for anyone in what you're doing is just try as broad a a range of things as you possibly can and then you get that information and you can do with that what what you will and i suppose you've been very good in terms of building your network as well and that's helped obviously reaching out to people having discussions because you, you never know uh who will help you until you reach out do you Definitely. And that's so important now. And you see, yeah, people are are getting better and better at it and interacting really well. And I think, yeah, whatever industry you're in, it's likely that, you know, your network's going to be really important. That's something I've been lucky, I suppose, as a cricketer, that um, it's probably easier to reach out to people. And I've spoken to so many people over the last probably 18 months since I was actively looking to to speak to people that they've given me um, time. And I think that sometimes you're sort of nervous or uncomfortable about asking people for um, their time or to meet up with them. Um, but more often than not, they're really willing to do that and share things with you. The wider, again, um, you can create your network, uh, the better informed you'll be and the more you can learn. So that's something I'm continually trying to do and trying to get better at. And that's something that I think will reap real rewards moving forward. But I suppose even if you're not a pro athlete like yourself, I think people have unique skills and talents. And it's just a question of figuring out what those are. I mean, say something like TikTok, I have no idea how that works. Are, are you on TikTok, yeah. Robbie? I'm actually not, no. Um, <laughs> sadly, I think, yeah, it's a bit of a stretch for me. Yeah, but, but, but I suppose the point I'm making is that if you're a specialist in TikTok, you know, there are so many people who are trying to get into that area. So a lot of those guys, you know, guys and girls are sort of quite young. You could almost use that or Instagram, use that as a way of reaching out to people and you know, creating value. So I think people have a lot more skills and interesting things that they, than they realize. And it's a question of figuring those out and then reaching out in a nice sort of way. Yeah, exactly. And with all those you know, sites now and various you know, technology, and there are so many different ways you can do that. So yeah, there's no excuse now. And it's probably not something that's natural to me is the sort of social media and, you know, promoting yourself and engaging with people. So that's something I've probably have to work on and you know, continue to be better at. Um, but it's so valuable, as you say, just sharing, sharing things, getting in contact with people. And I, and I think, yeah, the more you can do of that, the better you'll be. Robbie, this has been a, a fantastic conversation with you. Really enjoyed um, having you on the show. I'd like to end with you know, giving uh, my guests the opportunity to give a shout out to anybody. Um, is there anybody in particular, Angus Fraser, maybe, if the contract's coming up? <laughs> anybody in yeah, particular? Think, no, he's, he's, a, he's a fantastic guy. We're lucky to, <laughs> to have him in charge, Big Gus. Um, I think uh, probably my brother. What's your brother? David. David. David White. Cool. Okay. 
David, yeah, and he's he's actually a a doctor now. He's a pediatric junior doctor. Um, wow. So yeah, he's he's had a busy year. So he's a yeah, he's very proud of, of what he does with that, but also very grateful for yeah what what he did for me growing up and how he helped my development. And you know, we had a great time. Yeah, he t- he taught me a lot of things, both in sport and beyond. So yeah, he's probably be one person. Excellent, excellent. And and your parents, I hope as well. Yeah, my parents for sure. I'm actually I'm actually moving out of home for the first time. Oh wow! Uh, on the weekend, so yeah, they'll they'll probably be glad 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 to get rid of me. Um, but no, that they they've been so supportive over the years, and they've sacrificed so much um, for my career. So yeah, they they along with my my brother have been sort of instrumental in helping me sort of achieve what I always wanted to achieve. So I'll I'll eternally be grateful for what they've done for me um, throughout throughout my childhood and, and beyond they're the parents of a, a first class cricketer my parents can only say i played a second 11 match so, <laughs> <laughs> so I, i'm a failure in their eyes <laughs> just kidding <laughs> don't be silly like, you've made you've made up for it <laughs> the host of the reframe and reset harsha that's, exactly. that's the most proud exactly <laughs> exactly you seem such a nice guy robbie you need to be you know, have a bit more sort of edge to you you know, get, I, know get... I, I have been told i've been told that but i think yeah i'll try and keep it under wraps maybe it comes out comes out when it's really needed hopefully yeah i, I well I, th- I think that that's a key thing isn't it not to go around appearing to be something that you're not um just i think focus on your own game focus on your own journey it's, it's silly to be something that you're not it is, isn't that right yeah definitely definitely yeah and I think yeah as a keeper sometimes I'm told I need to be a bit more a uh, bit more nasty and aggressive towards a batsman but yeah it, d- it doesn't come overly naturally to me so I think uh, it would probably do the opposite effect that, that they'd want so I, I sort of try and stick to what what I know <laughs> Very good, very good. Anyway, Robbie, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for um, taking the time to appear on the podcast. Thank you very much, Harsha. It's been a real pleasure. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening and staying to the end. That was such an enjoyable interview. If you would like to listen to more episodes, then please consider subscribing to the podcast, which is available on your favourite providers. And subscription is free. If you wish to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, please take a look at the show notes, which are available online. Thanks once again for listening. Stay safe and look after yourself. I hope you will join me again in the future.